I'm up. I'm up. Welcome to the Lights, Camera, Action Entertainment Reviews Podcast. You like that, huh? Nice ride. Thanks. How much? Excuse me. How much for the car? She's not for sale. You have a good day, sir. Daisy. On this episode, we'll be discussing and reviewing John Wick. I lost everything. That dog was a final gift from my dying wife. Jonathan, you got out once. You dip so much as a pinky back into this pond, you may find something reaching out to pull you back in. It's personal. But you get that car. What does it matter? This episode will contain spoilers. It's not what you did, son. It's who you did it to. The nobody? That nobody. It's John Wick. Subscribe, listen to our podcast on Apple, Castbox, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You working again? No, I'm just sorting some stuff out. Task your crew. How many? As many as you have. And visit our site, lcamoviereviews.com. Hey, John. I thought I'd let myself in. People keep asking if I'm back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. I'm not afraid of John Wick. Uh Uh-huh. How good's your laundry? No one's that good. I thought not. And now, here are your hosts for this episode, Mike Winkler and Jason Kabasek. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Lights, Camera, Action, Entertainment Reviews Podcast. I am Mike Winkler, and returning to the Lights, Camera, Action family is Jason Kabasik. Welcome back, Jason. Hey, it's good to be back. Jason will be joining us, uh, joining us all for the next big group Marvel Phase 3. It's going to be very exciting. I'm but really looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun, but with that comes some pretty sad news we received yesterday from the passing of... Black Panther himself, Chadwick Boseman. Very saddening news indeed. It really is, especially with what he had uh, and no one knew about it. It's not very often where the media doesn't know what is going on with somebody. They're usually in knee-deep in celebrities' lives, and the fact that he was able to keep this thing so separate from his lifestyle and from the media for four years is just astonishing and that nobody really knew about this. How long ago was Black Panther filmed? Well, it came out in February of 2018, so it probably was filmed early to mid-2017, so he obviously had it for so about a year by already, then. he was already going through this as he was filming yep. this movie. Pretty fresh, too. I mean, I heard he went through numerous surgeries and different procedures while he was filming all these movies, like, you know, what was uh, the Jackie Robinson movie, but I think he might not have had it before then. Um, yeah. But uh, he shot, like, that movie, uh, was it 12 Bridges? Um, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. He was in Draft Day, the Cleveland Browns movie, uh, and a lot of other ones. And I just don't know how he was doing it with, with, with stage three colon cancer. I, I don't understand it either, but 
and it is a big loss, especially to the Marvel universe. Uh, wish nothing but the best for his family and th- going through all this. Yeah, it's, it's I can't believe it, 43 years old, way too soon to lose somebody like him. Exactly. Um, but we will talk about him more on the Marvel podcast. We're going to be probably doing a lot of discussion, I think, on Black Panther about that. And then even the future of, of Black Panther and where they're going to go with this, whether they're going to recast or just how they're going to handle it's going to be quite the challenge for Marvel to, to do. Yeah. So we'll get into that with Phase 3. But today uh, we are here to discuss the very first chapter in the Keanu Reeves uh, well, trilogy at the moment <laughs> that will turn into future movies. But John Wick... Um, we, I, we decided that we we're going to do more of these podcasts that are kind of like these little bit of one-offs in between our big retrospectives. And we wanted this to be the first one-off we did with, uh, with John Wick. So I know Kabasik, I know this was your first time seeing John Wick. So let's it was your thoughts. Uh, I thought it was a really well-paced action movie. Um, it's great to see Keanu Reeves back in, you know, what he was really known for, mm-hmm. for the most part. I mean, yeah, he was, the goofy comedy character and like Bill and Ted and a couple other movies, but to see him back in a big action role like this, I think really helped him a lot. It revitalized his career. I think he's going to see a lot more roles coming forward, hopefully. Yeah. Especially at 55 years old and him still being able to do this stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this was his first big action movie probably since The Matrix Revolutions, if I believe. Uh, let me check real quick, actually. Yeah, his filmography. I mean, I know I've seen him in a lot of other movies other than The Matrix since then, like Hardball, which was a dra- sports drama. Um, which, that was a great movie in and of itself. I-, I love Hardball. That movie is very underrated, and I recommend anybody to watch that movie. It's It's got a very, very, um, it's actually a very sad story, really, in a way. Um. Let's see. I know he did a couple rom coms. One with uh, Sandra Bullock, I think, The Lake House. Um, uh, no, the last real one that he did was 47 Ronin, if you remember that. Oh, yeah. That movie really got lost. Oh, Constantine, too, wasn't it? Wasn't Constantine after The Matrix as well? Uh, I do not know. I want to say that was 2005. Yeah, Constantine was 2005. Okay, so 47 Ronin and Constantine. So 47 Ronin being the, the last action movie he did before before John Wick. So he's yeah. been kind of on the back burner for a lot. And, I, and I'm glad to see him come back into the spotlight because I think Keanu Reeves is a very underappreciated actor. He, he's, he's very well, I mean, good. like, if you people go and take a look at his, uh, movie, his, like, his movie credentials, he's been in, obviously, a lot more stuff other than just, like, the action roles and all that between, mm-hmm. like the end of the matrix and now but they're they weren't really all that well known no i mean even even 47 ronin i mean that movie got disregarded real quick um it got kind of trashed didn't it kind of get bad reviews because they said he wasn't of japanese culture and that it wasn't right that he played the part i don't think i think that might have been the case but i also think that it just wasn't that good of a movie yeah, the movie was kind of a little bit of a mess. And it's, it's not on him because, I mean, again, he was he's, – he's great in everything he's in. I really have never seen him bad in a movie, you know. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't really know or understand why he took a break from action movies, but it seems like before John Wick – do you know what year John Wick is from? 
Uh, John Wick is from 2014. Okay, so and then 47 Ronin was from. 47 Ronin was not long beforehand. Uh, 47 Ronin was 2013, actually. Okay, so. All right, so therefore I'm trying to think. Uh, so if he did that in 13, John Wick in 14. And you said the other action movie he did, what year was that from? Constantine, that was 2005. Okay, so from 2005 to 2013, he was on quite the action break. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's something else, but it wasn't really, it probably wasn't anything really noteworthy if no one can really remember it. Exactly, exactly. So, no, this movie as a whole, I, I, I think from what I know, this was never really intended to be a trilogy. Um, it's just the oh no! It just it the way that it felt when the movie ended. I don't think it was ever truly meant to be mm -mm. a trilogy or even have a sequel, even. But no. it was a matter of the fact that the reception that it got, and the fact that Keanu Reeves looked like he actually enjoyed the role enough where he was into it. Yeah. Like, you can tell when an actor really thoroughly enjoys the role or enjoys the movie if they're getting heavily into their character. And I think, I believe he did a lot of his own stunt work as well. Which, at his age, being able to do that kind of stunt work, Quite especially in this movie, yeah. Yeah, I, I just can't, I can't believe that um, the Spawn trilogy, because like you said, the ending of the movie just does not doesn't feel like an ending for, for, for a, a continuing story. It doesn't feel like there's something there that really needs to be told. No, but not at all. I know you haven't seen the sequel yet. Once you see the sequel, you will realize that there is such a big universe. Oh, I would imagine so. Especially with, um, you know, the foundation he's a part of and everything. You start learning about the whole syndicate and really how far back it goes and how deep and how many people really are self-involved in it. Oh, I can imagine. I mean, you get you pick you can pick up little bits and pieces of info in this first movie that I'm sure translate over into major points in the others. Exactly. And the thing of it is too, like the Continental itself, there's actually a prequel TV series that's in the works right now that's gonna tell an even bigger story of the Continental. Okay. I'm actually gonna be looking forward to that then. Indeed, and I heard John. I heard uh, Keanu Reeves might, in fact, be uh, appearing in little parts in that series too, because it takes place right around the time of the first movie, or slightly before. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they're going to combine the universe together as a whole with new characters. Oh, if, it's taking, if it's going to be taking place around the same time frame as the first movie, or you know, slightly before, that slightly before is going to have to be like at least four years prior to when this movie took place only because you know that was a that was a major plot point is that you know he had gotten out of this life four years prior when he had met his wife mm -hmm. yeah i would say so because right, right now reading the wikipedia page it just says the prequel series was announced in 2017 the series will focus on the hotel chain that acts as a neutral ground for assassins as opposed to the character of john wick yeah. not much info on it but which is fine. 
which is fine. We'll probably find out more. I have a feeling we're probably not going to see the series come out probably until these movies are finished, because as of right now, we have John Wick 4 and 5 that will be shooting back-to-back uh, here which, soon. Which, I mean, those are, yeah, those are filming right now. At least I know John Wick 4 is. Yeah, he's, uh, I, he has not jumped into um, production yet because he's still finishing The Matrix 4. That one is in pre-production from what I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then they're going to shoot back-to-back with 4 and 5. And I, it looks like John Wick 4 is set to be released May 27th, 2022, and then almost exactly a year later in 2023, John Wick 5 will be out. Okay. So, um, all right, well, let's dig right into this movie, and we'll start out right at the beginning. Well, first, I want to talk about something here. Can we okay. talk about the casting? Oh, God, yeah. Go ahead. I there's a couple of really big names that are in this first movie alone. Like if people glanced for just a second and missed this, no one would have realized that John Leguizamo is in this movie. Oh yeah. Yeah. And he's, uh, he's in the sequels as well. I will tell you that his role diminishes a little bit, but he's in the sequels. And then you've got, Oh wow. I just saw this. Uh, Keith Jardine was in this movie. He was. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people might not know who Keith Jardine is. Um, he is actually a pretty big name in the MMA world, if I am not mistaken. Yeah, based on what I'm reading about him, yeah, he was, uh, it was like he did win an Ultimate Fighting title. Yeah, uh, looking up at him, I want to say it was probably middleweight. Yeah, he was. Middleweight been- or light heavyweight. He's been in three divisions, middle, light, and heavyweight. Um, says his professional box record. Uh, he's only been actually in four professional boxing uh, matches. He's won three and got knocked down once. Yeah, he wasn't uh, known for boxing. He was known for his MMA. MMA. He was more He was more of like the ground and pound style fighter. He was mm-hmm. more like that kind of fighter. Yeah, going down here to say he was in 30 MMA matches. He was 17 and, uh, okay, he was 17 and 13. Or 17, well, 17 wins, 11 losses, and two two ties, two draws. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I did not I did not recognize him in this movie. I have to uh, see where he was. I can't really remember where uh, I saw uh, him. He was Kuzma. Oh, he was Kuzma? Yep. Wow, I can't believe I didn't recognize him. And do you want to know another name that I'm pretty sure you never didn't recognize? Hmm. Kevin Nash? No. Look at Kevin uh, he was... Okay. Uh, do you remember that um, security guard that was outside where uh, John Wick found... Um, oh, at the, yep, at the spa gardens? Yep. yep. That was him. See a picture. Oh, yeah, that was him. I did not recognize him at all. Wow. Uh, it's those little things that you have to pick up on. If you suit do that, mm-hmm. you'll notice so many different people. Interesting. Huh. And then you've got, obviously, Alfie Allen, who did oh, an God, amazing yeah. job. His part. Obviously, him being most well-known for being Theon Greyjoy. Mm-hmm. Then yeah, you've I... got Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe, man. He's just a badass in everything he's in. Uh, and then classic. the thing that caught me by surprise was the fact that Ian McShane was in this movie. 
Oh, Ian McShane, man. All I can think of when I think of Ian McShane, of course, is Deadwood. That's what I always think of when I think of him. But uh, I would imagine Deadwood too, but people don't realize he was also in Game of Thrones. What part did he play in Game of Thrones? Uh, he was the – I'm trying to remember the exact title, but he was a uh, – how far did you get in Game of Thrones, actually? Season two. Season two. All right. So it was beyond season two. It was, I want to say it was – uh, season six is when he showed up. It was only in a couple episodes. Interesting. But you recognize the voice immediately. Yeah, he's got he got he's got a very distinct uh, a very distinct voice, and it's just you'll see too in the sequels. He uh, his presence is a lot more. It's a lot lot bigger, especially in the third movie. Oh, you're gonna love his character in the third movie. I'm looking you. forward to it. I'm mm-hmm. like, this has got me actually looking forward to watching the other two. You'll enjoy them. Cause they just get, they get better. They get so much better. This first movie. It's like, I don't even want to say it really sets up the universe because really I feel like chapter two really sets up the universe because once you get into chapter two, you start to see that, okay, this is going to take more than just one movie for us to, to see the world of the assassins. Yeah. Um, where the first movie feels like a very personal John Wick story the second and third one, it's still personal to Wick, but it's more than just about him. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but also, yeah, too. So one of the foes in this, and then like you said to me before the podcast, was Michael uh, Michael Nyquist. Uh, it amazed me that they've got so many good names in this. There is like, so I'm many. wondering where they're going to end up going from here. Well... Halle Berry's in Chapter 3, and she plays a former assassin. That's all I'll tell you. Oh, I can imagine. And she does kick a little bit of ass in that movie. Okay. I'm so, looking forward to seeing it when I get to it. Mm-hmm. All right. All so, right, but now let's go ahead and get to the beginning of the story. Okay, so first we start off with John Wick losing his wife, Helen, to a terminal illness. And he receives a beagle puppy named Daisy. Yeah, and... That puppy was, I mean, let's say, I'm a sucker for dogs, so I thought that was cute. Especially what happens to the dog in this film as well. So, yeah, I mean, it's going through how, you know, him coping and all that. With him getting the beagle puppy as a final gift from his wife, Mm -hmm. um, the note and everything, you hear her talking and just see him breaking down holding the puppy. Yeah, I'm. I I I gotta say that the dog getting killed, it not something you'd expect in a movie because a lot of times out of ten, unless it's a movie about animals, you don't really see animals get killed in movies where it creates an emotional impact in a movie like this, especially. Oh yeah, but I mean, for this kind of story, and for what exactly was the reasoning behind how uh, John Wick get got back into this? Mm-hmm. It's definitely understandable. Very much so. And especially since the sequels, you'll find out as well, is still very much about an animal. So. But yeah, so, I mean, it goes from how he how he got the puppy to, you know, how he's, how he's, you know, fed the dog, obviously, the corn, the, the cornflakes, all that, you know, not a big deal. Just, just got the dog, not really prepared for all that. And then takes the dog out for you know a drive gets gas and all that that's when we meet yosef and his crew good old yosef man he just looks like a weasel coming out in this movie 
Oh yeah. <laughs> but um. But he's asking, you know, you know, talking about the car with John, mm-hmm. uh, asking how much, and uh, you know, John saying not for sale and all that. That's when you find out, you know, they're both speak they're that John's fluently speaking Russian. Uh, right with Joseph. You going along for the? Uh, it's almost like I, I almost got the the impression that Joseph just didn't expect John to be speaking Russian or didn't know how to speak Russian. I don't think Joseph knew. Well, no, Joseph didn't know at that point mm-hmm. who John actually was. Oh yeah, because when his father tells him, he just uh, he realized he may have screwed with the wrong guy eventually. In, in, in the beginning, yeah. he, he just thinks, oh, it's just a guy. You know, it's no big deal. And it's like, no, do you know who John Wick is? Yeah. He's the fucking boogeyman. And, and so we get to where, obviously, that night, um, Yosef and his crew uh, bust into John's house to steal the car, beating John and killing the dog. Yeah, they they just they really they beat the crap out of that dog. Well, it was really only one shot that I saw. It, it looked to me like they were showing a little bit of it in the background, but I could be wrong. I mean, it, that's that's how it looked, but yeah, it really was only one really clear shot of it really happening. Yeah. But um, yeah, I I did not expect this scene at all when I first saw the film. Um. Like I said, animals usually almost always are safe in a lot of these kind of movies, but... Oh, I know. But this is such a central plot point into his motivation going forward of revenge that it just had to happen, because without it, what would have been his motivation? Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. So... You figured that he would have been whatever about losing the car, but... Sure. The dog was the f- snapping point. Yeah, that was basically it. And it all had to do with the fact that, you know, it's his, it's his wife's gift... So yeah. in a way, he feels as though it's like his—it's like they did it to his wife. That's what he kind of almost feels as though in the moment. And then where are we at now? Uh, Yosef takes the uh, the Mustang to a chop shop to have the VIN number changed, and the shop's owner recognizes the car upon learning that Yosef stole it from John Wick. And what did Aurelio do? Well, you know. Uh, Punches him, basically warns him that how could you steal this car from from who this guy is? You don't know who this guy is. Because Yosef did not know even then who this guy was, and he was threatening Aurelio after he punched him and all that. No, he threw him out of the shop. Aurelio took the gun from his henchman, put it to his head, and, like, pull the trigger now if you're going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it's. I almost feel. I almost feel as though why, why in a way that did Joseph's father not warn him about John Wick? But at the same time, who would have thought that he'd be a problem again? Because everybody thought he was retired. Yeah. So, but uh, for this guy to not know the legend of John Wick, it's kind of surprising considering the band of brothers he's in. It really is surprising. So. All right, so moving along here. So when John visits Arello, he identifies uh, Yosef as the son of Vigo Tarzanov, which is Michael Lundquist. Yeah, John character. realized that uh, Yosef was the son. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. 
and then Aurelio justified his actions to Figo when Figo got a hold of him saying, yeah, this was John Wick's car. This was John. Yeah, he he fucked up. He fucked up Royal. And then we get to where Vigo has a little talk with uh, Yosef. I love the fact that he calls John the Baba Yaga. I love it. I just love it. He is the man that you that you send to kill the boogeyman. <laughs> oh man, Baba Yaga. I, Big mistake. Yeah. And we learn about how, you know, John got out of this line of work. How uh, Vigo had given him an impossible task to complete. Quite literally. In order to get out, which John left just bodies and bodies in his wake. It, you know, it's just kind of like, uh, yeah, he's not someone you want to cross. No, I, uh, Vigo's uh, past with, with John is not a pleasant one. He, he knows all about what he's capable of and what he'll do. And uh, for his son to go and do this, he knows that his son made the biggest mistake he could have possibly have made. Yeah. Which enters the, uh, the great scene. Uh, Which Vigo hired, or not hired, but sent a dozen men uh, to John's house to, you know, take care of the problem too little too late by that point he's already got himself armed ready to go and you see just how much uh his past how what his past is come into effect here how he was this unstoppable like assassin we get our first taste of how lethal this man really is not some guy you want to you want to fucking screw with not in the least bit no, because what was he? He killed them all, and then right afterwards, Vigo put a $2 million bounty on his head. That's a big mistake. <laughs> big so fucking it turned mistake. Into, I mean, Vigo could have just left it be. He could have. But decided to put the bounty on his head, which just give John more motivation to go after Vigo as well. Now, wouldn't you think Vigo would be smart enough to not put a bounty on John's head because – Again, he knows how capable and how and how badass and you know what he can do. So he had to kind of almost know that he probably wasn't going to succeed with killing John. Well, at that point, I mean, he was doing everything he could to stop John because you know it's as much of a pain in the ass that his kid was. You know, still it's his still kid. still his kid. Still his kid at the end of the day. And I guess he thought maybe he might get lucky and catch John off guard because he's been in retirement for so long. Yeah. But just go to the show that some tricks uh, just don't go away. And I forget, what I think it was right around this same point, like we got our first sight of uh, Marcus. It is the first time we've seen Marcus for the first time, yes. Um, and we start learning a little bit about, you know, um, the Continental. And, and what the Continental actually is. and uh, uh, It's a hotel for the criminal underworld that has a strict policy forbidding killing on hotel grounds. I can't help but feel like I want to be part of this group just because I love this. I don't. I, I don't know. The world is I just don't. awesome. Why? Uh, I, 
I'm too young to die right now. Well, you'd have to if you'd be in the Continental. You'd have to be like very, very good at your job. Not even a matter of being very, very good at your job. It's you. <laughs> you have to be putting your life on the line daily. That's true. You got to watch your back every given second of the day because before you know, it, you might have a knife in your back. Exactly. So it's true. So I mean, at the same time, it's like yeah, I guess you're right because. Case in point, the scene when John goes up to his room and the female assassin tries to kill him. Yeah, but so we get yeah. to where, uh, you know, however, well, we're going through more of the Continental and all that, how, just how everyone knows who John Wick is that's walking in there. Uh, the whole point, like, oh, in the currency, it seems like this underworld, all these gold coins. Those... Yeah, those play a big factor in, in, in number two as well. I, I would imagine so, because they never really explained uh, those at all in this movie. No, it's all about the forms of payment that they give. Uh, basically, like there, there are certain people within the city where there are certain services they can do, like either, whether it's a haircut or, or suits or guns or, or whatever you need. That's the form of currency that the Continental uses to basically curry favors amongst each other. Yeah, and then so and then we get to where he is in the uh, bar talking with Winston, which we finally meet. Uh, when at first when I saw this, I'm like, I recognize Ian McShane right away, at, just from his voice alone. But I had no idea that he was the one that was actually managing the Winston. Mm-hmm. He's like he's like the king dick. I mean, he's not like the, the king dick of, of the whole society, but he's the king dick of the Continental. Yeah, I had no idea that he was going to be like they were going to explain that he was the one that was actually in charge of the Continental. Mm-hmm. And how you know, and then it just the little favors that he does for John, even though you know they have the strict rules about how you know no killing on the hotel grounds or no um what is it no no uh, um, giving info about them either yeah there's a lot of rules that, that with the assassin's code and, and of course that of course that biggest one is the no killing or no conducting any any business on the grounds of the continental well it's not a matter of conducting i think conducting business was was safe thing to do there it was a matter of no like trying to get the info from about other assassins and all that yeah and the way that's... that he the way that winston did about how he gave the information to john about where yosef was mm-hmm. was hilarious because he tells john to go over to the bar get a drink mm-hmm. bartender recognized obviously just they're sitting there talking back and forth and how the bartender hands in the drinks, you know, saying um, it's on the house. And then you just see the camera pan over as John walks away, showing the location of where Yosef is. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. the little subtle things like that, that really, I thought made this a good movie. Yeah. It's the little subtle touches that I, I think really, really do make it. I think you're right. It's just, um, I don't know. I, <sighs> I guess I mean, that goes back to the fact, like I said, it'd be cool to live on these grounds. I just like the Assassin's Code. I like this code they live by. It's just all these I, different rules. I like rules. the code that they live by, too, but I would not want to be a part of this world. 
I uh, maybe I'd want the. Uh, maybe I wouldn't mind uh, um, Winston. Maybe in so some much. alternate life, maybe. <laughs> some alternate life. Maybe if you had a uh, three or four or maybe nine lives like a cat, maybe it would be a little bit better. Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. I wouldn't mind Winston's job though, running the Continental. That'd be kind oh, of. Oh cool God, job. yeah. That would make me worry though about what has Winston done to garner this much power and mm -hmm. be able to hold his power like that. It's a good question because even in, the, in all three movies, they still do not talk much about his past yet. So I really would like to know how he so earned maybe this they might do that in four? Yeah, and I think especially with the way three ends, I think you're going to find out more about Winston. I think it has to go that direction at this point. So hopefully we'll finally get answers then in four. It'd be nice. I'll have to watch two and three first in order to obviously get caught up, but – Mm -hmm. It'd be really interesting to see where they take it after, from three then. Yeah, we'll have to discuss more about Winston after we uh, after three because that's where his character really becomes interesting. I mean, he's already interesting yeah. now, but more interesting. Yeah, so going back to the movie, though, uh, obviously he finds out that Yosef's at a nightclub called the Red Circle. Mm -hmm. uh, John gets there. He completely just slaughters his way through. Uh, it doesn't get to Yosef. Yeah, he got away. Uh, John had a f good fight against one of uh, Yosef and Vigo's bodyguards mm -hmm. that ended up causing to John to get stabbed with uh, what was it? A champagne bottle? Yeah. And had to go back to the Continental, get patched up. I like the way these, um, like these fight scenes are shot, like especially like, like in the club. It's it's very much about oh, yeah, strobe lights and, and neons, and, uh, and it's, it's just... a good way because it kept uh, oh, the way that John was getting away, trying to chase down mm -hmm. Yosef. It kept uh, like it's keeping them from shooting the entire place up. Yeah, you're gonna obviously have, you know, the shots still coming like when they're close right by you, right? But it's a matter of how they were able to use those methods as well to get away and be able to blend in and all that. Yeah. And can we talk about something here real quick? Mm -hmm. The accuracy and the sharpshooting of the people in these movies is nuts. <laughs> Especially John Wick. Oh, it's you... uh, so just like, one shot, one kill. If you think the first movie does that, oh wait till you see it in the second one. Oh man, you're in for a you're in for a treat as far as that's concerned. Uh but yeah, so oh, let's yeah. go ahead and get on to this next part here. I wanna say this is where uh we actually saw that Vigo had said he was going to double the bounty on John said if someone was going if someone would break the code of the hotel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and discuss that. Okay. So you want to discuss more so about the code of the hotel? Yeah. Okay. Well, I've, I've tried to understand exactly like with the world of assassins, you'd have to kind of think like, why is like their biggest code to not kill on the grounds of the continental? Is it to make the assassins feel safe and where they are? Or is it just some kind of code out of respect to one another? 
to me, I want to say that's more uh, lines of um, uh, both. Like, it's a place where they can recuperate, mm-hmm. they can gather, uh, discuss uh, certain things that they need to, mm-hmm. and to make them feel safe. Like, it's a respect thing between, like, it's an honor code almost. Yeah, so it's basically, it's out of respect for each other, out of being the assassins, I guess, in the general sense. It's just that, it's like, yeah, you know, you can go kill each other outside these doors, but when you're here, everybody is safe, and we don't do that. Um, It's not even a matter of inside the building, it's anywhere around on the grounds. Oh, yeah, something as simple simple as as the steps that lead up to the Continental. If you put your hand just on the steps, you're on Continental grounds. So you can't be killed. And it's the area that's around it too, I believe. Um. Well, in the second one, that's pretty thing too. I, I'll, I'll wait for you to see that. But uh, no, it's 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 based just off of property. Okay. But um. So yeah, so we get this excellent fight scene with uh, Miss Perkins, which I don't know if you recognize her. It's uh, I think her name is Ad- Adrian. Uh, Pilecki, she was also yeah, in. Adrian uh, Pilecki. She was in uh, Rise of Cobra, GI Joe. No, not GI Joe. Sorry, the other one, the sequel, uh, the one with the rock in it, not, um, uh, not Rise I'm of Cobra. Look this real quick, then. Uh, retaliation, I think, is what you're talking about. Yeah, I liked her part. In retaliation. I I thought she was uh she was she was a badass in that movie. She just plays badass so well. Oh yeah, did you know that she was on uh, Red Dawn? Yes. Yeah, the one with Chris Hemsworth, the the remake. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, she was. Uh, I, I got something. Time. I got something good for you too. Then, hopefully, you recognized it. She was in Legion. Oh yeah. Pregnant. Yep. Yep. I, Legion's another one of those movies where I think is underrated as well. Mm-hmm. I like that movie, and I would have liked to have seen sequels. I think they made a um. They made a sequel or a series on sci-fi called Dominion that was supposed to take place within the Legion universe. It sadly only lasted, I think, one or two seasons, so it really didn't get a full-on story of it. It's it like place Firefly, in- how it was a major thing, and then it just dropped out of nowhere. Yeah, there was a lot of potential for that to be a, a universal kind of thing, a lot of things they could do with it, and they just let it go. Yeah, all right, so go ahead and let's talk about more of that, so... Yeah, uh, John's alerted to the danger from Marcus, who Mm -hmm. Vigo had contacted at his house to um, assassinate John for the $2 million bounty. Mm -hmm. At this point, you kind of had a feeling that this was more so about how Marcus was trying to help John the entire time. Oh yeah, I, I feel like the friendship between Marcus and John is pretty deep. Like they have a pretty deep rooted past in history. And again, that's something else too that has not been touched on in any of the movies yet. Like they're full on history. I've, I've gotten a sense of like, that almost like they worked together on a few missions or something in the past. But I would they, have to imagine so. Yeah, but they, ne- they have not touched on that yet either. And that's why I feel like that uh, Marcus's backstory needs to be told because there's just too many which questions. Is, which I think just going off of what you've been talking about with the sequels mm-hmm. and then from watching how this movie played out, mm-hmm. I think we could see a lot more of like these uh, 
background and origin stories going into the four and five. Mm-hmm. Like just finding out more about who Marcus really is, who what Winston actually does, mm-hmm. who he really is. Yeah, there's 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 a lot of backstory with these characters that definitely needs to be told because um, I, I know like uh, with um, you know with Marcus and then like even too uh, with 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 John's background with Winston, same principle as one with Marcus. I mean, I feel like Winston is even somewhat close to John, and even they have a history. I'd like to know about that as well. I think it was probably. I think that's probably a matter of like John was probably like one of his most loyal people mm-hmm. like at there like he truly followed every aspect of what the code was there right and you know and gave Winston the respect that someone in his position deserved exactly and the, the sad thing is too is I don't even know if we'll even get his background with Marcus because you know Marcus is sadly killed off in this film so it's kind of like are they even going to feel the need to even go back and tell that story? Unless maybe we see flashbacks in four and five that somehow connect to John's history as a whole it would be a great callback to this movie. It could be. I'm hoping that that's what they do. We will soon see, but I definitely think that the stuff with Winston is really going to come full head, especially with the way how things end in John Wick three, it's really going to come to head, I think with him. Okay. But yeah, so John obviously prevailed against Perkins and, learns uh learned that vigo has a vault that uh that's of hidden his hidden stash Mm -hmm. uh hidden on the facade of a church uh in little russia so he leaves perkins with a fellow assassin uh named harry Mm -hmm. and heads to vigo's stash to uh completely destroy everything that's in there I thought this was a this was a pretty cool scene. I liked mm-hmm. this scene. Um, I like too when Vigo kind of taunts John about his about his life and his past life, and um, it's like it's like, dude, do you really think pissing him off even more is a good idea? You've already killed his dog, and you've already, you know. Well, I think at this point, Vigo, like after after the whole scene where, you know. John ambushed uh, Vigo and that whole scene played out mm-hmm. and where John got uh, caught in the end there mm-hmm. that he probably thought that he had finally won. Yeah, he, he, he got a little too high on himself and he got cocky. Makes sense. And then that's where you see, uh, that's where you get, you know, the whole point, the, the whole part in the trailer, how John's going, uh, people keep asking me if I'm back. And that's where he goes, yeah, I think I'm back. <laughs> yeah. See him getting pissed off. Uh, and it had actually been a good point throughout the entire movie when they got to that part. Because, mm-hmm. like they had said, uh, how every time John had been asked, you know, are you back, he kept kind of avoiding the question. Mm-hmm. Like, he didn't really want to be back. No. No, this is the last thing he wants to be doing. And, and you get the sense of after this is over that he's going to go right back into it. And he does. He does. But, of course, you know, with a sequel, you got to find something else to bring him out of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, if it were me, I probably wouldn't want to admit, admit coming back either because, you know, when you were out, you wanted to stay out. But, unfortunately, he was just forced out of retirement. And 
here we are. And it was during this part where, uh, what was it? Um, you actually learned why the dog and the car were so important and all that. Like the car, mm-hmm. not so much, but it was the fact that, you know, like we had discussed earlier in the podcast, how the dog was the parting gift from his wife, how, you know, to help him not grieve alone. Right. And how without the dog, like he had nothing left. Yeah, because at this point, before we know about why the dog was given to him, you kind of have this thing in the back of your head thinking, he's doing this all over a dog? Yeah. <laughs> it, but, it, yeah, it, it makes all kinds of sense now. It's like, oh, okay. So it's not so much about the dog. It's it's, it's about your wife. It's per, it's a personal attack on your wife. Yeah. So, but uh, Perkins. But you get where John uh, gets saved again. Uh, by Marcus because mm-hmm. Marcus uh, obviously being this great sniper that he is uh, took out one of the people that were trying to kill John with the bag over his head mm-hmm. uh, freeing John and which caused him to get a hold of one of the shotguns that they had mm-hmm. uh, knock Vigo, get Vigo out of the jeep that he was in and pretty much forced Vigo to give up his son, uh, told him where to find him, and that's where you finally see him get his, you know, revenge on Yosef. And that, I like that scene a lot. Oh, yeah. Spot place. I, I love that scene, because I like how Yosef's partying with those girls in the water, and he's just like, oh, yeah, you know, John's done. I don't need to worry about him no more. And then all of a sudden, all his guards keep getting killed, and he just goes into full-on panic mode, like, yeah. I'm probably. Oh, no, it was dead. past that point because this is where he, they were in the uh, safe house. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when he's in the water, and how, he he's, it, how but... he keeps yelling at his um, one guy in the crew, you know, stop, get up, stop playing that fucking uh, game. Mm-hmm. Well, and he, he knows he's toast. The last he time that he said that, uh, that's when John shoots the guy right in the head sends him down right after he gets done saying that again. And the first thing that pops in my head was, well, you got what you wanted. He stopped playing the game. Yeah. Hey, yeah. It's like, that's what you wanted him to do. Well, game, set, match. And then we get to where, where is this leading us to again now? Uh, Perkins learns that John and Marcus have been in contact and tells Vigo and Marcus is beaten and tortured before being executed. Which, and how Marcus went out was pretty badass, too, because mm-hmm. how uh, Vigo was taunting him, saying, you know, now you're going to go out, you now you're going to leave the family my way. And how Marcus mm-hmm. is like, no, I, we're doing this. I'm going out on my terms. Uh, gets out, shoots the one guard. Vigo grabs the gun. Or I think Perkins shot him first. I think Perkins shot him first. Mm-hmm. And then as Vigo approaches him before he kills him, Marcus just looks up at him and says, see? I like that Perkins got a, a respectful death because I think it would have felt kind of... You mean Marcus? Th- yeah, Marcus. Getting two names confused. There was, there was nothing... <laughs> 
there was nothing uh, good about Perkins' death. No, not Perkins, no. Other than, you know, the vindication of it. Yeah, no, I don't know why I said Perkins, but uh, no, Marcus's death, I'm glad that he went out with a little bit of respect because I think that if his character would have went out just with a simple shot to the back of the head or just, you know, yeah, some bitch-ass uh, death. Yeah, because it was like right after that scene where they left and John got to, or John raced back to where Marcus's uh, place was, mm-hmm. that you see Perkins walking down these stairs, walking through what looks like a, um, like right underneath a bridge almost. Yeah, yeah. That's mm-hmm. when you see at her walking, you see four guys coming from, be like behind the pillars surrounding her and that's when you see Winston come walking out and be like uh consider like this was on you consider your uh membership at the continental revoked mm-hmm. and all four of them shoot her at once <laughs> i loved that that's badass and Execution it just shows style. the kind of power and you know respect that Winston has and you know what happens if you break the rules of the Continental? He does. He has a lot of respect for the rules and regulations of that hotel. Because at the end of the day, if he doesn't follow the code, he either A, will follow, find himself dead or no longer leader of the Continental. And then we get to the last, like, I want to say this is the last, like, 10, 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Where we get to uh, John going to where, uh, the, or John meeting up with Winston or no, my bad, uh, Winston calling John saying, you know, <clears throat> I can't tell you all this, so I'm not going to tell you that a certain someone is uh, feeling, or a certain helicopter is being filled up for a certain someone to escape at mm-hmm. a certain place. And I, I just love the little subtle smart-ass hints there. Uh-huh that uh winston gives to john to give to point out like this is where vigo's at this is where what's going to happen if you're trying to hunt him down yeah you just don't mess and and that's great thing about winston man it's like you know he has the codes but when it comes to stuff with john uh i think some of the rules go out the window yeah and then we get to you know the last real big action sequence where You've got, you know, him fighting through all of Vigo's uh, bodyguards, getting killing them to get to Vigo. Mm-hmm. You see John throw the gun away, agreeing to Vigo, you know, no guns. Them fighting. And then with Vigo pulling up the knife, trying to stab John, how he was able to get uh, close to Vigo in order to do what he needed to do. Mm-hmm. He pulls the knife, lets himself get stabbed, like he stabs himself <laughs> with Vigo's knife mm-hmm. in order to break Vigo's arm and then takes the knife out, stabs him right in the neck with it. And the fact that this is all done in the rain too is just uh, it's the icing on the cake. Yeah, and then after that we you know get their little uh, dialogue, a couple minutes of dialogue there. <clears throat> and then we get to where the first scene of the movie is. Mm-hmm. How John's sitting outside of like the vet clinic, uh, just laying on the ground bleeding, 
and you know hear him this how you know still looking at his phone with the the video of him and his wife talking mm -hmm. and then he ends up getting up he goes into the vet clinic to get his first aid and then looking around he takes a dog that he noticed that was due to be euthanized mm -hmm. and the movie ends with them walking out uh walking away from the screen I mean, again, I mean, we get to the ending of the movie and we definitely don't feel as though that, that there's any more story to be told here. We think that yeah, this is Yeah, you wouldn't is, think that it. that's where it would, but you didn't, that you wouldn't think that right there is where it would, uh, you know, cause a sequel to be happening. No, because there's not any lingering, lingering plot threads at all. I mean, there's, there's really doesn't feel like there's anything left to tell. I mean, yeah, we have the continental universe there, but I mean... There's nothing that's kind of left untold at the end. Oh, I agree. But, uh, hey, but so let's just go. What did you think was probably the best part about this movie? Um, um, not so much the movie itself, but let, we'll get into that here in a minute. What do you think? What was the best part of the movie to you that really didn't have? much to do with the actual film like out of the details and all that mm -hmm. what did you find was the most interesting um do you mean basically like like the little details that you noticed um well i mean i guess as a whole i have to probably talk about mainly like how the movie was just basically shot and how just how everything was presented um they they made they made a point of just focusing on the little details um which you don't see in a lot of movies no you you really don't and 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 the thing of it is too is that like i think the reason why this movie felt so different from a typical movie that might follow assassins or a group of assassins that we've seen in the past um if you notice a lot of assassin movies usually don't follow one man it's usually more so about numerous characters much like mob movies are it's never really about one character it's always about maybe three four five uh goodfellas with robert de niro being a good example of it i mean yeah. it's about ray Liotta, de niro uh, joe pesci it's about numerous characters where in this movie here it's just solely about john wick it's, that's who it's about and and they focus on the little details of the life with his wife, his relationship with the dog, Wyatt's relationship with the dog, his history with, with, with being part of the Continental and the group of assassins, his relationship with, with Winston and Marcus. It, it's, it's just kind of unique. And I think I like the fact that it just focused on one man in this story. Oh, exactly. Oh, one of the, there are a couple of little things too, that, you know, I noticed like what, but detail wise, like, just looking at the scenery and all that, mm -hmm. it was obviously a the how they have the sauna built in like underground in the basement and mm -hmm. uh, that the in the movie at Red Circle where Yosef was, mm -hmm. and then it was the layout of the house and all that that John lived in. Yeah, I like the way that house looks too. I, I, I that that's kind of a unique design. But I want to know how like where obviously he got the money from you know working with Vigo and all them in the past. Mm -hmm. I want to know how he was able to, you know, 
justify that, like how he was able to justify the funds to be able to afford something like that. That's a good question too, because again, that kind of goes back to the the trilogy's uh, biggest issue right now. But it, I can't judge it as being a negative because we haven't seen the rest of the saga yet yeah. going forward. But um, there's a lot of things we just don't know about the histories. You know, uh, Winston being one of them, of course. But John's history with being the assassin, where did those funds come from? Were they, was it money that was stolen from, you know, numerous jobs? Did they take it from some kind of big criminal and just keep it? Um, did, was it, was it payment that the Continental gave him for retirement? You see, I think you know? that was more so, um, his payments from Vigo. Mm -hmm. Um, John, to me, at least from what I noticed in this film, he wasn't one of those, like when he completed his job, he just took whatever he wanted, mm -hmm. like money wise or valuable value wise. It was like, he had like, it was, it was like he almost embodied the spirit of what the Continental itself is. And that mm -hmm. was, you know, he had that honor code. Right. No, that makes sense. I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. It, 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 the chances are, I think the money probably did come from, probably from Vigo. I, that, that would seem to make the most sense because I don't necessarily think that the Continental would pay that well to go into retirement, especially since they probably don't want you to go into retirement. They want to give you incentive to stay and not leave. Well, it depends too, like on the contributions they've brought to the, you know, their society. I guess you would call it. Yeah, the contributions to the to the cause. I guess, yeah. All right. So, what was your least favorite thing about this movie, though? Before we get into the best thing, I I just think I just think as of right now is is again some of the the backstory or the history. Um. But I don't want to necessarily call it a flaw of the first movie because it's not really an overall flaw of the first movie. It's just a flaw in the overall story at the moment. But I, I don't even want to call it that because until, you know, this whole saga is complete, if the, whole saga, if the whole saga goes through and we're never given backstory on some of these things, then it would turn into a flaw of, of the saga. But um, so I won't even really count that. I think if I had to say the least favorite part, probably um, – hard to find one because it really the movie is pretty complete as being a pretty good overall film from beginning to end um i guess i would just probably say um i have a problem with i guess vigo kind of like at the beginning of the movie he he, he tells his son how threatening and how big of a threat that john wick is but then when it comes down to brass tacks he kind of becomes a little dumb like his son he kind of starts to not quite take his own advice that he does at the beginning of Thank the movie. Thank you. Thank you. I have to agree with you. That was my least favorite part of this movie was yep. the fact that, especially with knowing who and how John, who John Wick is and how he operates, yep. he essentially just foregoes all that and is still, you know, doing essentially what he told his son not to do, and that's piss John Wick off. Yeah, I mean, I know it's about his son, and he wants to defend his son and protect his son, but it's like, come on, you know what this guy's capable of. You know it's not going to be just some easy job you killing know somebody. That he's, you know that he's going to get to your kid eventually. Just yep. let him do that, and you won't have to hear from him again. Exactly. The best thing that Vigo probably could have done is to maybe reach out to John and maybe try to talk about it. 
he could have tried that considering he has history with him. Maybe, you know, I'm not saying it would have worked, but wouldn't that have been worth a better shot in the dark than just trying to put a bounty on his head and kill the guy? Well, I mean, if you look at back at the movie, though, you notice that he does try and reach out to John. He did bring out, like, his yeah. book of uh, contacts, and he did try to reach out to John. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. It was so maybe better. John been. still wasn't going to let – he wanted Yosef. Yeah, I guess it came down to it. I guess, you know, came down to defending your son, I guess, would make you do some pretty dumb things. I, I guess part of that could be forgiven, I guess, in a way, because <laughs> family can make you sometimes do crazy things that you wouldn't usually do, or sometimes you don't think things through the way you should. Yeah. You know? Um, but, okay, so uh, what about a rating out of 10 on this first movie? Well, first, what was the best part of the movie for you? Oh, best part of the movie. Um, Not just the finite details and all that, but the actual best part of this movie oh um i'd pretty much say almost any action sequence i mean the fight scenes are just so well choreographed and executed with such precision that i just appreciate the the filmmaking of it because it's just it's just so badass it looks so real um it, the movie's not shot with this i guess Today we have shaky cam syndrome where a lot of things in action movies are shot really shaky to make it look like it's it's real and make it look yeah. like it's more brutal than what it is. This movie does not hide the punches and the kicks. It shows you them full on and you can tell that there was a lot of dedication with, with filming these fight scenes for realism. My favorite part of this film, to me at least, would mm -hmm. probably has to be... Oh God. Uh, probably seeing how John Wick transcends throughout this movie going from, you know, mm -hmm. this calm person that just doesn't want to be bothered by anybody to showing just how much of a killer he actually is and was mm -hmm. like what them delving into a bit more into his backstory and all that. Uh, I think uh, I'm assuming I'm hoping that they dived more into that, like in the sequels. Yeah, he's uh, you basically are saying like the evolution of his character from beginning yeah. to end. Yeah, you'll start to see more so of his evolution through through three, especially in three, when he kind of runs out of options when it comes to a certain decision and what he basically has to do, which is against everything he has fought for and against his better judgment. So it really does come the full head by the time we get to the end of three, which is why I'm really excited to see what the next step of his journey will be in four and five, building off all the events from three. Uh, but yeah, so going to the rating now, mm -hmm. uh, for this, what do we want to go on here? Uh, out of 10? Out of 10. Uh, I give it a solid eight. Yeah, I was going to say about that too for me about seven and a half or an eight, and that's and and that's <laughs> that's pretty high. I don't usually, I and especially with action movies, I normally don't rate them that high. That's because a lot of action movies don't really have a personal story, and this one's kind of a little bit more special and unique compared to your typical run-of-the-mill action film. Yeah, um, but yeah, I'd probably say seven and a half out of eight because, and and that's surprising too because the sequels are better. So if we're ready at a seven and a half or an eight with this one, imagine where we're at with, with two and three. I'm going to have to watch them and see if I agree then. I think you will. I, I, I think as of right now, if I had to say right now, two is slightly my slightly by, by slight over three, my favorite, because I kind of like the story a little bit more in two. And I like the end result of where it leads going into three. 
Okay. Um, but right now, actually, one right now is my least favorite, but that's not even a knock against the first movie because the first movie is already so good. It's just the two yeah. mo- other two movies are just, are just that much better. Yeah. Yeah. Which is pretty unique to sequels. Wait, I mean, if you can find us, if you can find a series of movies that the sequels are better than the original movie itself, then you're onto something there at least. Well, there's only a couple instances I can really think of. I mean, like, for instance, Godfather Part 2 is better than Godfather Part 1. Um, I think we, I think a lot of people agree that Empire Strikes Back was better than A New Hope. Um, that's just a couple examples, but, I mean, yeah. it's, it's rare. It's rare that sequels outdo the original one, and, and this being the case with this, too, that the sequels are better than the original. I agree. Um, but, yeah, we're going to have to see where it goes from there mm-hmm. uh anything else you want to discuss no i just say uh watch the sequels and uh you'll definitely get i think you'll get a little more perspective on the first movie too it'll definitely widen widen the scope of the universe and i think uh too i think maybe you'll like the first one even better too after you watch the sequels okay uh but yeah so wrap things up here um yeah obviously it's great to be back guys um planning on being Planning on being a permanent fixture again on here, so yeah, we're I'm excited too because uh, now we'll be a five man group, which is going to be quite the discussion, especially for Marvel um, Part Three. Like we're doing, we're going to do Phase Three in uh, two parts because Phase Three is already so big compared to One and Two, so we're going to divide Phase Three into two parts, um, so we can really focus on Infinity War and Endgame in Part Two because those movies are so big to begin yeah. with. So, uh, but yeah, it'll be a great five man discussion. Uh, we are a five-man podcast group. It's quite the achievement, I gotta say. It's quite a big and group. Yeah, it really is. Uh, obviously, guys, you can find us on uh, Spotify, uh, Castbox, uh, on Apple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can also find us uh, like we'll be streaming, like Facetime, uh, streaming live on uh, Facebook occasionally. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywhere else. Uh, we are also on iHeartRadio and TuneIn. Um, we're probably going to start streaming on YouTube as well. Uh, Facebook, probably for the time being, like you'll see the two Marvel podcasts will be streamed live on Facebook. And then uh, a lot of our, some of some of our one-offs might be on Facebook streamed live, but probably not every single one of them, depending on what we're doing it on. We're doing live streaming on Marvel because Marvel is a pretty widely beloved uh, saga. So streaming that live is more based upon, you know, we'll get a wider audience. Uh, yeah, for smaller and, things, no reason to really stream them live. And we're definitely looking to expand our horizons even further. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, once this whole uh, pandemic passes and we're able to actually get together and group up again, yeah, uh, yeah. looking at something like God only knows, maybe we'll find a way to get the money together and be able to have like a real setup for a uh, podcast crew like you see on all these other big podcasts, how they have their own like building and all that they can, that they film in uh, that they record in as well. Well, the, the future too is good because we really want to, um, even me myself, I've been reaching out uh, when I get different emails from different press outlets or different studio outlets for, for, for PR, for the site to write written reviews or do podcasts on them. You know, sometimes they also will want you to reach out for maybe do interviews with, with cast or crew that's part of the film. So it might lead us to being able to do some, over uh, over Zoom or Skype 
uh, interviews with some of these actors and, and, and directors to get some of their perspective on things too. So we can give the, give the uh, listeners kind of uh, the perspective from the actual actors and filmmakers so they can get some insight into how the movie was made and the actors experiences and so on and so forth. Yeah, um, uh, we're really looking forward to being able to get started on that here soon, hopefully. Yes, yeah, so uh, everybody, please subscribe. Meantime, but yeah, in the meantime, uh, feel free to comment with what you'd like to see us keep doing. Absolutely. Um, if you want us to keep doing these uh, legacy um, perspectives, like of whole sagas, like how they've been doing with uh, Star Wars and uh, the MCU, Mm-hmm. please feel free to contact us um if you have anything you guys want us to do like one-offs of yeah like, absolutely certain movies that you like to see a review on please feel free to let us know i mean you got five people you guys can reach <laughs> out to you can reach out to myself to jason to daniel to alistair to jeremy reach out to one of us if, if you if you have a hard time getting to our page and being able to reach out to us find them or any one of us on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter and reach out to us and, and let us know what you want to hear, what you want to see. Cause you know, it's all about the listeners and what you guys want to hear. We want to entertain you based upon what you want to listen to. And if you want to contact us directly uh, through email, that too, um, you can just go on to LCA movie reviews.com and you'd be able mm-hmm. to contact us through there. Yeah, we're, gonna, we're on the, uh, the part of getting bios up for everybody. So beneath the bios, there will be our email addresses where you can reach us at as well. So therefore, if you have any more questions to get to us directly, might be another easier route for you as well. Yeah, so uh, is there anything else you wanted to add? No, just look out for our Marvel Phase 3 Part 1 podcast, hopefully within the next uh, two weeks. Um, just going to kind of get together with everybody, get everybody's availability and go from there. But uh, look out for that one. It's going to be a great five-man discussion. Also, we will be doing a, a full-on tribute to Chadwick Boseman as well. Yeah, um, we're looking forward to that uh, next episode coming out here. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to working with the expanded crew finally, considering before it was just Us two. me and Mike when we had originally just started. Mm-hmm. It's grown. Uh, now seeing how much it's grown since the time I was away. Uh, it's really making me look forward to where we can progress from here. That and also, too, it's been nice, too, because when, when you and I first started, it was just uh, we were having to do every podcast in person, which we weren't able to do as many because of being in person. But now with being able to do these all via Zoom, you know, all, all five of us can be in one room together. And, and that's what's great about doing these discussions, because uh, do them at any given time and you can all just do them whenever everybody's free to do them. Exactly. Uh, so. With that, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I am Mike. I, I am Mike Winkler. <laughs> You're Mike, huh? <laughs> I guess I'm I am. Jason. I'm Jason Kabasik. I'm Mike Winkler. Well, no, apparently I'm Mike Winkler. I, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we will see you on the next one. We'll see you on Marvel Phase 3, everybody. Part 1.